As a confidant and coach to business leaders, I know a lot of people who are rich and miserable and those on the opposite side of the spectrum. So let's pull it all together, shall we? We'll explore the intersection between wealth and joy. We'll look at the psychology, spirituality, and practicality of money, plus some of the things that make up a truly lucrative lifestyle. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucra Life. Welcome back, my friends. I am joined today by two very special guests. I am super excited to introduce you all to Shane and Angie Saunders. Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. I am so excited to get into this conversation because as lucrative society members know, you were recently with us and you took us through this amazing experience in that group. And I was like, you know, I would love to share this wisdom with a much broader audience, all of my podcast listeners. So we are here today to talk about that. But before we get into all of their expertise and information that they have to give to you, I would love to get to know them a little bit better. And Let's begin here. How did you two get to what you are doing now? I'd love to hear about your career evolution. Mm. Um, I had quite a quite a long evolution. Um, long, I'll keep it short. Long, sorry, then. Then. <laughs> 30, I'm not long. even. I'm not even forty. Well, nearly forty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so look, my 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 evolution was. I, I always wanted to be a big star when I was young. And so I always thought I was going to go into the entertainment industry. When I got there, I uh, went, um, I got into it, like, you know, high school, they didn't have a drama club. I started one, you know, so like, it was like my vision to be uh, a part of the entertainment industry in some way or another. And I made it happen for sure. Um, got started, you know, where I was in Sacramento, I used to live in California and then was in Los Angeles by the time I turned 21. And I got into, I was in front of and behind the camera. And then I was getting into, I was like, I actually wanted to do production coordinating. So I got behind the scenes and I was working in production and I was loving that as well. Um, then it was a couple years into it. It was, it was all too overwhelming for me. And when I say overwhelming, I was working about 90 hours a week. I was, it was like, you know, and Hollywood is like work hard, play hard. That's just the way it rolls. And it's highly competitive. And uh, I remember it was a big turning point for me when I, I was semi-finalist for the first season of the Pussycat Doll Show. And I was, That's amazing. I was doing, <laughs> I was doing you know, it was pretty cool. But I, like, so I went to go do my solo and I was doing my, uh, I was about ready to, I was singing and um anxiety took over. I had a little bit of a panic attack in the middle of my song and I completely lost timing. And they're like, thank you. And I'm like, my heart melted. And I was like, this was not what I built my whole life for. And, you know, in hindsight, I realized that that wasn't really the career for me. It wasn't actually where I was meant to be. It was a stepping stone, but it was not really where I wanted to. And, and I already kind of had these feelings like, you know what, um, I kind of starting to feel unsatisfied. I was 25 by this time and I was like getting older and my body was slowing down and I'm like, I want a family and I don't want a family in this atmosphere. And so, you know, shortly thereafter, um, within a couple of years, I met Shane and uh, we hit it off straight away. It was like, it's total like bells and whistles and sparkles and stars galore when we met, actually still is 13 years later. 
And uh, I only knew him for like six months. I sold everything and I moved to Australia and I completely started over. And he's like, don't have to rush into anything. So I started working at a bookstore. Then I worked at a bank. And then, and then I had a baby. You know, we got married. We had a baby. I went through postnatal depression and then we started, um, Shane had already started, when he got out of the military, he started his own uh, business and personal training. And so I got involved in that. So I was helping him doing some training as well. Um, and then we just really realized that we have like this deep desire to help people feel better and to just like, you know, whether it's mind or body, but it was just like, what do we need to do to feel better? And it started with me because I was going through postnatal depression. I was having big transition um, phase in my life into my thirties, uh, going from, I built my whole life to go into the entertainment business and now what, you know, so that was a huge, um, mogul for me or turning point in my life. Um, but when we, when we got into breathing, that's when it really made the difference. So we spent a lot of time and money on headspace stuff and it's very good because you need to know what, you know, what to do to feel better. But for me, it was like knowing what to do to feel better and feeling better, was a little bit of a missing link. I was still very highly emotional. I felt like I couldn't control it. Felt like, you know, no matter, I couldn't think my way out of anger. I couldn't think my way out of, out of anxiety. Uh, so then when we got into the breathing aspect of things, that's when I really noticed that I came back into who I knew to, I was to be. And it was, it was like, I, I became like this cranky mom, you know, who was just miserable. And I'm sure I wasn't great to come home to, you know, and I was like, this is not okay. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> True story. True story. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So I just, I set out to, to do the work. Um, and the headspace was, you know, helped, but it wasn't until we really did the breathing and actually cold immersions really did help me personally. Um, but it was breathing, being able to manage my emotions. It was being able to express my emotions without, you know, having to yell at my children or yell at him, you know, for being children, you know, so that, 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 or for me, for, or being for me. you, for being you, exactly. You know? <laughs> so disciplined and everything. <laughs> so, so that, that's where we came to where we are today, because I remember in 2015, 2016, I was like, I have to write a book. Let's write a book on all the things that work for us, because if it works for us, it can work for other people. It won some awards. And I was like, and I, I thought, you know, wellness was the thing, but no, it just kept coming back to breathing. It was just breathing. It was all about the breathing. It was like breathing was the thing. And so we spent the last five years deep diving into um, why it's so effective. I want to, I want to fill a few things yeah, in before I start please. with mine, um, <laughs> with, with Angie, um, you know, her, when I met her and, and her career or where she was, um, you know, it was high pressure. It was very high pressure. I mean, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, on leave from the military and, um, and actually visiting and that's when we met and I was just, I was astounded at the amount of hours that she was working, you know, coming from Australia to the US, I just, I had no idea, you know, that Americans work so <laughs> much. How insane we are. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> just, just, you know, and, and, you know, there, there's, well, we a, there's to, a, you know? <laughs> there's a great aspect to that. And then there's this aspect of you, if you're going to work that much, you need to have the tools and, and the things to avoid burnout and, and things like that. So, um, you know, when Angie mentioned, about going through postnatal depression and things like that. And she kind of just glazes over that, but it was really a not, not a great time. It was, mm. it was really, you know, coming home, I would come home from work. And I remember saying to her, um, you know, 
that I know why some men want to come home and go to the bar or go to the pub or don't want to come home when it's, when it's not a happy environment. And that wasn't a dig. That wasn't a dig at mm. her for just being grumpy. It was, it, we, we were, we were just like at that point where it was like, well, what do we do about this? And where we, both of us, <laughs> the reason that we're still married today is because both of us are never about blaming each other. We know that we own our own stuff. We know that we're not, we're not allowed to put our own, um, our own complaints and blame on each other. And that's what we do. That's, that's a, a, a an agreement we have uh, as being married and being um, life partners and all of that sort of stuff is that we take responsibility. So it was like, okay, what are we going to do? And Angie mentioned, we wrote that book and that book was really came out of like, well, what is it that we do that we see other people not doing or don't know about that has us so happy with each other has us, you know I mean? you know, we, we still fight, like she's, she's <laughs> thrown pieces of toast at me. And, you know, we've, we've, <laughs> you know what I mean? Days. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we, we still, we still argue on different points. We, we have healthy debate on things. We very quickly, you know, like I said before, own our own stuff, but that's kind of how it came to it. And I'll backtrack now a little bit, Mindy, and give you where, where my, I, I had a, um, a career in the military very early. I joined the military at 16. Um, I just, I wanted to get out of where I was and, um, I, in, 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 enlisting in the, in the military, you know, I had all these amazing experiences, um, for me. I was, I was, uh, before I was 18, I was deployed in Southeast Asia. So I was already deployed on missions in Southeast Asia before I was 18. Um, I trans, I transitioned from general service into specialized services. Um, first was uh, physical training. So I was put in charge of training divers, um, uh, soldiers, sailors, all, all, all manner of the, uh, the defense in physical fitness. So that's kind of where I got my grounding totally in that. Intense. And it's very, very different, <laughs> very different to training, say, just an athlete. You're training for combat. You're training for arduous conditions. You're training for sleep deprivation all these different things that bring an element of the mind into that training, like that, that you, you wouldn't get that aspect as a, you know, just in, in, in everyday life, unless you're living that kind of life. So it was a unique experience. And I went on to um, go through that special forces training myself. And in going through that special forces training, um, what a lot of people don't know is I got to the, I got into the end of that training cycle and looking back on it, it's easy for me to say this, but I didn't know this at the time, but I, it, it was like, it just didn't gel with me. Like a, a combat role did not gel with me just because of my personal makeup. And I look now and think I didn't, I didn't want to take life. I wanted to give life. And that's, that was a very big distinction And there. You know, there is a role for those people in the military. And I have a lot of friends in there that are still in special forces that, um, that are in those roles and they're, they're, hugely difficult roles to, to be in, um, you know, uh, coming back into the social fabric is, is extremely difficult for those, those kind of roles. So they are mentally taxing. And I kind of looked at that and went, do I want a family or do I want that? You know, do I want the glory of that, of that kind of thing? And it's a, it's a very hard choice to make, especially, um, you know, being, having an ego and being a male, you know, I was like, well, what do I want to do? So as Angie mentioned, I transitioned out of the military and 
the, the most interesting thing about transitioning out of the military was that most people said to me, you'll be back. You'll come back in because you won't survive outside because you're, you're indoctrinated, you're, you're institutionalized. And I was like, I was like, you know, I told him where to go. Yeah, yeah. I was basically, I said, no, nah, that won't happen. And, um, and forged ahead and basically went into entrepreneurialism. I, I you know, I, I started that journey in starting my own business, trying to work out what that was all about, you know, um, trying to do your own books, trying to do, be your own bookkeeper, trying to be your own marketing, you know, trying Don't to do all, all the things, right. <laughs> all the things. Now, if I can tell you out of a 13 year career in the military being deployed in war zones. If I was to match out against running a business, running a business was way is way harder, <laughs> way more difficult and, and is, and is probably one of the greatest self-development courses that you could ever do aside from having a really healthy marriage and, <laughs> and raising children. I'll say that they're, they're the, they're, they, they trump, they trump those, those ones, but just, you know, for all those people that are involved in this journey, it, it's, it, it truly is an opportunity for you to really see what you're made of and, and stick, you know, stick to that, you know, stay, stay on the path and, and stick to it. And, you know, our, our business that we run now is, is born out of that. And our business is really, um, you know, Angie touched on feeling good. Our business is really born for me out of um, personal excellence and, 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 you know, if you want to do something really well, if you really want to bring your gifts and your talents to, um, you know, to the world, then you have to be at the level of an elite, whatever it is, elite athlete, elite soldier, elite, you name it. It's got to be, it's got to be at that because there are times where this stuff's going to get on top of you. And if you are, you know, if you're not treating yourself well physically, like, you know, you don't take care of your sleep and, and um, you know, and your health and things like that, then you will, at some stage, the energy will be drained out of you, you know, mentally and emotionally, and you need to have the physical strength to be able to, to weather those storms. So, you know, really where we've come at this from is that we've seen that we've traced it back and gone, okay, here's the energy that we come with and, and um, you know, our wealth is a direct reflection of our energy because, you know, yes, it produces the money, but there's all these other aspects to it as well that, that comes into it. And so we've looked at that. We've looked at how do you maintain and extract as much energy from your environment as you can? And then how do you maintain it? And then how do you uh, become the channel for that abundant flow of energy? Because it, it is, um, it is abundant. And a lot of people say, well, it's not. But you think about it when you're so passionate about something and you're into it and you're doing it, you don't feel fatigue. And, I, and you know, I've experienced that before. I've been pushed to limits that, that, that are well beyond um, the, the normal capabilities of people in, in service, you know, um, while I was deployed and things like that and during the training. But when you're really into something, when you're really into what it is that you do, it's boundless. Like you'll, you'll just keep the energy will flow through. The, the, the trick is getting out of your own way to allow that flow through to happen oh, yeah. is, is the big, <laughs> is the big thing. So that's, that kind of sums up, sums up where we're, where we are to here today. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love 
what you're saying because so I talk a lot about something that I call heart path which is how your heart is always guiding you on like quote the right path you're never off your path and to that point each of you you bring all of those collective experiences that you had all along the way and even the hard ones you know even all the stuff that Angie you were going through after you had your babies and all that stuff it contributes to what you have created now which I think is probably very closely aligned or exactly on your ultimate purpose. So I love that. And I also want to just drop a little note in for any of my students that happen to be listening. I am constantly talking to them about drilling down, drilling down, drilling down to pick a niche. And as you two both alluded to, oh, we were doing like wellness, general stuff. So that's in the big health category. Okay, drop it down one more to wellness. And now breath work. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. So let's talk about that. What are you doing now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we've basically spent the last five years deep diving into like, who can we learn from? So either going and experiencing firsthand or um, reading ancient texts or um, even all the way from, so really from transformational breath work to clinical breathing techniques. Like we've studied everything in between. Um, I, I feel like there's not much that we haven't studied, but uh, there's so much out there. I'm sure there's something no, there's, that we've missed. <laughs> breath, um, I, like the word breath work, mm. it doesn't, doesn't do it justice as in the, the, I guess the vision in most people's heads of that conjures up of, of, you know, you being in your yoga class and doing some breathing or breath work as a, as a practice. And, um, really like the way we've come to look at it and angie mentioned the ancient side of it it's interesting to note that in every religious text every ancient text that we could find everywhere from every uh, society or culture around the world has a reference to breathing has a reference to to them doing some form of breathing as a spiritual practice and even the word um, for insp inspiring and the Latin term is synonymous with spirit. So you, you have this, this um, really interesting thing where you're, you're inspiring life force and then it's mixing with everything that you are and expressing behaviours. And that's where it really kind of caught for us was that, yes, you can um, sit down and you can breathe and you can get really high from it. You can have all kinds of different experiences from it. You can gain energy from it. It can relax you. It can, it can uh, help you focus. But there's this behavioral component to it. And, and there's this whole bit about, um, you know, expiring, right? Like you just think about it, inspiring, expiring. They're, they're all references to beginning and, and ending. So this, um, you know, it's very interesting that it's a cycle that happens in your life from the time that you're born and you take that first breath till the time that you expire and you you've got this consistent cycle happening and that cycle is so deep in um in knowledge uh, whether it's self-knowledge that you're finding out about yourself or whether it is uh knowledge just in general about your body so breathing we look at breaking it up into two two main categories when it comes to the science side of it the mechanical aspect of how you breathe, so you, the, the way that your lungs move when the muscles expand and contract is very different to respiration. So respiration refers to the chemical exchange that happens in the gases in the body. And there's a really important exchange that happens between oxygen and CO2. And 
often people think about CO2 and they're like, well, it's just a waste gas. You breathe it out. Well, it's, it's, it's not exactly. It's a really, really important gas that helps regulate blood pH through the salts in your body. Your blood pH regulates your brain neurotransmitters, which control all the moods in your body and, and pretty much how you show up will be related to your breathing. And this is a really important point. And this is kind of like really one of the main points that, that Angie and I are bringing to the awareness of breathing and breath work and all these things in general around breathing is that it affects the way you show up. It affects your presence. It affects, um, you know, how you communicate, how you communicate in your relationships. It affects your relationship to money because money is, money is energy. It affects your relationship to well. It, it affects everything because... It, from moment to moment, each breath, your, your body is shifting and changing. And, and if you let it go undetected, if you, if you do not pay any attention to your breathing, it will get affected by your environment. Now, think about what that means. If your environment is dictating how you breathe, is it any wonder that you're in an environment, you start to feel anxiety, it's because the environmental factors, but you have an opportunity to intervene. Mm. So this is where it ties in really nicely with like a practical application for the every breath or for everyday life. So it has been said that we've got like, you know, the human experience is roughly around 187 different emotions, both positive and negative. Now that can be overwhelming at times, especially if you're experiencing a lot of those at once. And what we're, what we're finding is that each one of those emotions is like what Shane says, it mixes with, your, with, with who you are, your essence, and then it gets expressed. So if you're experiencing an emotion, it will either serve you or it will not serve you. Now, what people, most people don't know is that we live in such a, a society where it's so fast paced, we try to control everything, even trying to control our own breathing mechanism. So our breathing is really good at self-regulating, but we get in the way and try to take control. So say, for instance, with, um, I'll give you a really good example for me. In the early days, I was very angry because I was fatigued and I was, I was dialed to cranky is what we call it. And I would just spark off and, and just get, you know, angry if I couldn't find my favorite pin, you know, just something as silly like that. And I would have this, uh, the, this feeling rise up in my body and it would be anger for me. And I would have this certain breathing pattern. And what I would do is I'd try to stuff it or stop it because I don't want to feel it. And it, and it, and this rage would then start to build within me. And I would hold on to it until such time that I would just blow and yell for no reason really at all. And then of course that has flow on effects to my children and to my relationship and that sort of a thing. So what we started doing business, is, business relationships yeah, also and team members, like team this, members. it's not, it's not just, right. you know, at home, at home team, it's the, the work team as mm. well. And so what I found is that, you know, when you act, when I actually took myself away and expressed that emotion, allowed my body to express it rather than trying to suppress it in such a way where like, sometimes I didn't have words for it. So I'd go and breathe. We called it angry breathing. I would go and do my angry breathing. And then I would come back feeling so much better because I was able to express myself, release the energetic emotion that I was holding onto in my body and have a proper conversation and therefore come from the, the perspective of teaching my children or connecting and working out an issue rather than sparking off and being reactive. She would, she would, she would go from grump, <laughs> grumpy to friendly in about a hundred breaths. Yes. 300 if I was really angry. <laughs> I really like that though, because that's such an easy thing 
to do. And let me let me ask you two something because I'm really curious about this in everything that you're talking about, especially with all of the emotion. So almost about two years ago when my husband passed away, I basically left my life. Like I went to California, I lived in the desert for two and a half months by myself just to experience grief. That was it. And the thing that I found, and I had read about this, other people talk about this as well, is I just end up sighing a lot. And I know that you two have talked about sighing because I've done the breathing with you. And talk to me about that. Like what, what is happening when I, I was just sighing all the time. It's body's yeah. energetic way of letting go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, well, it, it, there's, there's two, two parts to it. Really. There's the chemical aspect of it mm -hmm. and the breathing aspect, as we mentioned before, which is um, rebalancing the CO2. Right. And, and the CO2, as we said before, the mechanism through the blood pH controls mood. So your, your body is teaching yourself to let go of things. So um, grief often happens around the lungs and the heart. Makes sense, right? Like if you look in Chinese medicine and, and these sorts of things, you'll see grief. Like if you, if you go to a doctor that's, uh, that, that, that's way, that way inclined, they'll talk about grief being in the lungs um, and things like that. So you know, being able to release that energy or let it go. And then on an energetic level, like you were talking about, just that you're training to let go. So, you know, when we do circular breathing, we teach people all the time and we're, we're saying to them, when you learn this technique, you're training your mind and you're training your body to consistently let go of energy. And that's a good practice because whether something's really, really exciting, really good, or whether it's extremely painful and full of grief, you need to be able to let go of the energy because it'll always cycle round, right? So, you know, and this is, um, you know, we don't come with a handbook, right? Like humans don't come with a handbook, <laughs> but what we do, what we do come with is we do come with instinctual inherent sort of um, ways that our body reacts. And, and as Angie said before about getting out of the way of those instincts and, again this teaching is really um and this what you described is a really good example of you just coming to that without needing to be taught anything like you just come to you're naturally going to come to that point it, it's really interesting in in studying breathing sciences one of the most interesting things that i found was that your body will form a breathing pattern that will uh, block you from accessing traumatic memories in certain parts of your brain, yeah. right? So it will, it will create a pattern that will alter the gases that will stop you from accessing deep memories, core memories or things like that. So it's That's really amazing. interesting. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a defense mechanism. It's a, it's a mechanism that you, 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 you don't want to feel that. So it'll block it off. You don't want to feel, um, you know, like a, I know that this may happen. Um, it happens for all humans, but think about, um, you know, this, this is a bit of one that's a bit way out there, but even sexual problems, right? For, for men or for women, you will block off feeling from parts of your body so that you don't experience it. Um, you'll block off, uh, you know, oxygen getting to the brain so that, because th there's this really interesting fact that uh, 30% of oxygen needs to be in the brain for a woman to have an orgasm that's it doesn't happen like that for a male it happens like that for a female right we find out all these little things and we look at that and go wow that makes sense 
that makes sense. If you're in a, if you're in a low oxygen state, they call that hypercapnic state, which by the way, most people are walking around in that state at some <laughs> stage or another, mm-hmm. right? And then you go and try and be intimate and you, you just, and you think there's something wrong with you because you cannot get yourself to that state. Well, it can often be a problem with the breathing, breathing through emotional trauma or through, you know, so all these things are interconnected with each other. And we've just found that this work gives liberation to people in a way that they're kind of gone. I just, I didn't think to look at Mm. my breathing. I didn't think to go to somewhere that was so simple that I do all day, every day, all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah, it it is. You know, when you do it every day, you don't place importance on it until yeah. there's a problem <laughs> with so it true. and then yeah it's so true i actually have a client who that was one of the first things that we worked on was her sleep and then breathing and i'm like i don't care about any of this other stuff that you have going on because oh guess what this will probably handle that yes and what she realized is what she said is i've been holding my breath like basically my whole life so just so I'd love to ask you, how do you take a proper breath? Like what, it, how should it be? Yeah. This, that is a great question. It is a great question. And, and you can't give one answer because. Yeah. Me, but we'll do but a we really can, good job can of explaining give you, it. We can give you a framework <laughs> as such. A framework. <laughs> because, because our breathing is unique to, to us as individuals. So that's why breathing methods don't work for everyone. It might be, you know, what we found is that, you know, in rooms of breathing with like 500 people, you know, a third of them love it, a third of them hate it, and a third of them are indifferent. And we were like, why? And here's why, because people have different perceptions on how they receive how the energy is flowing in their body. So some people will like it, some people won't, and some people are like, I'm not sure about that. So (laughs) what we went to work on is like, okay, well, how can we teach Um, a basic framework in which people can go exploring for themselves what works for them and what doesn't work for them. So we we look at it in like a three-step process. You observe your breathing. If it's serving you, great. If it's not, then go to step two, do something about it, do something different. And we've got a little bit of a framework that we take people through about the how, what, what can you do as a self-exploration to work through what's not serving you. Then once you get through that point, it's get to being, then you can just be the breath and allow the breath to self-regulate the way it's naturally inbuilt to do. So this, yeah. this, let me add some, mm. I want to add some meat onto that framework that <laughs> Angie laid down. Cause it sounds really simple, but it's, but it's very, very deep and profound. The awareness or observation part of the breathing is, is a massive core part that yeah. we completely miss. If, here's here's one here's the first of the practical tips for everyone um listening and that is if you spend just 30 seconds at the start of the day just observing your breathing just sitting quietly close your eyes and just observe your breathing where does it go what does it do you know where where do you feel are you breathing low are you feeling breathing high are you holding your breath right all these things that you'll be able to notice and something really magical happens when you do that. The first thing is, is as soon as you put some awareness on your breath, your breathing starts to self-correct itself. Mm-hmm. It will, because your awareness comes into it and you're like, oh, and your body goes, okay, now you're, you're putting attention and awareness on it. It's like, uh, you know, for example, in, um, you know, if you do exercise or you do yoga, 
um, or you do anything where you're focusing on your movement or you're focusing on stretching, you'll notice that the, the stretch will go further or you'll be more fluent in an action when you are incorporating your awareness into what's going on. And often, often, and this, this again is an awareness thing, we're often not aware of what we're doing. So even when we're doing exercise or we're at yoga, we could be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. right you could be your mind's on thinking about right thinking about business or Mm -hmm. thinking about this and that's you know that comes into that whole aspect of not being present everyone hears that and they always go oh you know i've got to be more present what does that actually mean (laughs) well this is the this is the ultimate practice in simplicity that you can do and that's just sitting for 30 seconds and just recognizing your breath. That you was, don't have to put yoga pants on. No. That was, that was the first. Like yoga yeah. pants. I mean, <laughs> and I'm wearing my yoga pants. That, that was the first one. The second one Angie mentioned there was doing something. But we also, we also call this um, intervening or, or, or doing an intervention with your breathing. And this is where a lot of people think breath work is. They think breath work is you've got to do something with your breathing. Now, to answer your question specifically, about taking a really good breath this is where it's it's um it's a more comp because your breathing is a complex system it it takes a nuanced answer a, a, a proper breath relies on you having the right amount of co2 retained in your breathing that's a chemical aspect of it so the the way you breathe mechanically doesn't really make a difference Right? It does make a difference, but it doesn't in relationship to how the gases exchange in your body. Got it. Right? So, so, you, so you know how you often hear people say, oh, you shouldn't chest breathe. You know, chest breathing is going to bring on anxiety. Well, yes. And in some cases, when you're in, say, for example, you're sprinting or you're doing so, you are going to breathe in your chest and you're going to breathe high. Right? There's going to be times where you're going to do it. There's times where you do that kind of breathing to release emotions there's, there's all kinds of things. So belly breathing, chest breathing, um, holding your breath can be bad or holding your breath can also be good, mm-hmm. right? Like depending on, depending on what situation you're in and why you're doing it and depending on whether you've got awareness on whether you're doing it or not, right? If you're unaware of breath holding and it's causing you to have low CO2 because you, you, keep, you keep interfering with the cycle, then that's a problem right? But it's more nuanced because it's a, it's a system that works to calibrate on what's happening in the environment. And it's a system that you can actually take control of. And that's a very unique part about breathing is that you have conscious awareness. And when you're not thinking about it, it's going to do it for you. Think about when you're asleep, right? right? And, and so the, the idea behind taking a really good breath means that you go through this process that, that we just described, this three-step process, which is becoming aware, understanding how to do your breathing, right? And that's where we bring in the concept that you guys have been through the training where you go through the shapes. That's so you can understand how to do certain patterns in the breathing. It's not extensive by all means, but it's a really good um, idea. You know, you imagine a shape in your mind and you breathe in the in the shape of, you know, whether it's a square or circle or a triangle, it's very, very basic. But then you get to this important part about being the breathing. And what that means is it means that you're self-regulating. It means that when you turn up and, the, and, and you turn up to a hostile environment, your body automatically goes into a relaxed, steady breathing state so that you can stay focused and aware of what's going on around you. So your body responds before you do. And that's the idea about 
in that's the idea about waking up the natural breathing instinct in your body and so then you don't have to worry about your breathing because some people can can become really really obsessed about their breathing and what they do is they <laughs> they they obsess over their breathing and then they give themselves all these different mood swings and <laughs> low co2 because they're obsessing because your breathing is designed for you to be involved in it sometimes and not be involved in it at other times and if you think about meditation i get this asked this a lot people are like well, what's the difference between say sitting and breathing and meditating and i'm like well they it's a very, very nuanced thing. The difference between you actually getting into a meditative state is when you can let go of your breathing. And in order to let go of your breathing, you have to be able to train yourself to be, become aware of it, intervene in it, and then let it be. So let it, just let the, the natural instinct take over. And that, that three-step process is, is what our work is based around, is getting people to go through. And they're, they're, they're deep. You know, they're an inch-wide, mile-deep, type of type of processes and in fact i would say i don't even think you would get to the bottom of either of them <laughs> in a lifetime just because there's so much to do right but it's but it is a worthwhile practice it, it gives you so much bang for buck when it comes to uh feeling good in your body your health your sleep um you know your your uh, ability to focus and concentrate your ability to manifest things because you know, the, the idea behind you manifesting is not this magical, you sit there and just imagine a, a bag of gold and it drops on your head. It's, you've <laughs> got to have focus and attention and you've got to go out and get things done. You've got to be able to relate to people. You've got to be able to get into action. And so the, the you know, this process of these three steps allows you to really put some focus into those areas. And that's, that's really why we, why we teach it as a base of personal excellence is because it delivers all of that and you can have fun doing it like it's it's actually pleasurable you can get high from breathing it's, oh, yeah. it's amazing like you know you you get you get a just a different sensation in your body so um you can hear that i'm obsessed by it <laughs> i love that too because i mean obviously the people listening can't see me but even back when you were talking about the word inspiration and how in all of these different various religions, it's all from that. That's like my background was religious studies, geeking out about that. In Greek, it's pneuma, which means both breath and spirit. It's the same word. I'm like, this stuff is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I love this stuff so much. And I want to ask you something that I ask every single one of my guests on this show. And that is, how do you define wealth? Mm. Well, for me, it's a, it's a wealth as a perception. So you can perceive yourself as wealthy or not perceive yourself, or perceive yourself as poor. That is so true, no matter how much money you have. No matter how much money you have. Yeah, yeah. Because you can have a million dollars, but you spend a million dollars and you don't have any money. So it has nothing to do with, you know, with that. So how I look at it, you know, and, and how this ties into breathing is it's the, the, the energy in which we operate will determine your experience of wealth. So that being said, if I wake up in the morning and I go, mm, I don't want to make another lunch today, you know, or, you know, just mundane, another day, another duty, you know, when is this going to, when am I going to arrive? You know, it's like, you know, the fish never complains about why it has to swim all the time. <laughs> it just 
swims, right? And so, you know, that's, you know, reference that I use. So for me, it's like, I'm always checking in with my perceptions. I'm always checking in with, if I have a complaint, is it, is there a way that I can turn it around to be, can I perceive this differently? So, you know, like probably the biggest, freshest thing in my mind is that, you know, we just moved house. We paid for a cleaner to come and clean the house. They showed up and then didn't do the job and then took our money and left. And then I had to spend all week cleaning. And you can imagine I had That's lots of cool. perceptions. <laughs> yeah, I humbling. had lots of perceptions humbling, come humbling up, judgments about people who operate business, you know, out of integrity. Hey, you know, how do they sleep at night? You know, and my complaints of, you know, like my hands are getting chemicals, you know, let's, let's, let's stop the complaints there because I could have gone down on a very, very slippery, valid slope and got lots of agreement from people around me. But I was like, no, because that is going to have me perceive that I'm miserable and life is miserable. And then things are probably going to get more miserable from there. So I had to consciously go, okay, check my perceptions. And I started finding all the paint that I was cleaning off the walls from when the girls were doing their arts and crafts and remembering all those times. And then, you know, and then going, okay, well, you know, this is a transition phase and moving to from a townhouse to home. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to clean this house and say goodbye to an old way. You know, so it's like, there's always a way that you can shift perceptions and our perceptions also um, impact how we breathe. So if you also have a look, if you're always looking at perceptions from a place of complaining or explaining or blaming, you know, below the line thinking, you'll You'll, your body will become below the line in its health. So for me, to answer your question shortly, I just manage my perceptions. You know what I love so much about that is in A Course in Miracles, it talks about a miracle being simply a shift of perception or perspective. And I'm like, that's exactly what you just said. So all of that turns into or can turn into a miracle if we choose to mm -hmm. see it that way. So that is awesome. What about you, Shane? Uh, for, for me, I kind of touched on it before and I'll give some examples of this, but it, it, it is really your energy. Like it's the, I, I 100% agree with everything Angie said, you know, you, you'll get robbed of energy if you focus on what you don't want instead of what you do want or not being able to recognize the, the lessons, um, you know, the silver linings in, in whatever goes on, everything uh, that turns up, you know, all these experiences that we had moving house were all meant to happen to us because it reminds you of how it, it humbles you, right? Like you bless people instead of complaining or blaming them because ultimately it's just a better way to go. Like it's just that your energy stays up. It doesn't get drained. Um, I sit in my backyard and enjoy looking at the plants in the backyard. And I think to myself, you know, it's a, it's a moment of perfect enjoyment sitting there just being in your own yard. And the more often I can have those moments, the wealthier that I, I, I feel. And that's not to say that we don't take care of our money. It's not to say that we don't take care of our, our health. They're, they're very big parts. We and I will say, yeah, and I will say something about money. The, the physical aspect of money is like in, in my view is supposed to allow you to have the time and the choice to, to get to that point where you can sit in the backyard and just look at the plants and be enjoying sitting. freedom, baby. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, and, and that, and that's really what it's about. And, and ultimately 
um, it's a tool, but you do not want to be attached to it. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to do things for the, you know, for the love of, of money. It's a, that, you know, striving will always deplete your energy striving for the next, you know, it's never enough will always deplete your energy. So I think, uh, wealth for me is a combination of guarding against that kind of thinking, you know, being totally absorbed or totally, um, consumed by that striving and also focusing on, uh, you know, I, I mean, I have two daughters, they drive me insane, <laughs> but at the same time, they're the, they're the greatest achievement in, in my life. And, um, and, and, you know, and, and our relationship is also a, a great achievement because it's, um, it's just, it's something that's sacred to us. And it's something that we kind of look at each other. Like I, I joke and I say, no one else could live with me. <laughs> Right. So, um, so, you know, like uh, I joke about that. I joke it's about true. that, but, it, but, but, but the ability for you to be yourself around someone else at such a deep level is liberating. And that is a huge amount of wealth to be able to express whatever's on your mind and, and just say whatever your dream was the night before and, and without fear of someone thinking it's weird or, you know, these small things are the things that sort of, uh, that really come into it. So. So I want to share something with you too, because it is just kind of what you were talking about and also what you spoke to earlier about everybody doing their own work in partnership. My husband and I called that a self-cleaning oven because it was like, we need to do our own inner work. It's very easy to blame the other person and say, oh, well, this is about them or their fault or whatever. But when you look inside, it that's what you have to do. And it's all about going first in that process. So I love that you two do that. I'm such a huge fan of both of you and everything you've got going on. And one of the things you have going on is a challenge that you are offering to all of my listeners. So if you would describe what that is, and then I'll give them the link. And I would be so delighted to have so many of these people that are hearing this show, sign up with you and try out this breathing challenge. Mm. Well, it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a breathing wellness challenge. And basically it's, it's a, it's a breathing practice of six minutes in the morning, six minutes in the evening, just bookend your day. When you wake up in the morning, do the morning one, when you right before you go to sleep, do the evening one. Uh, and it's really meant to uh, manage the transitions, the major transitions in, in every day. So you wake up in the morning, it's to wake you up and get you, um, you, you know, in, in a regulated state before you even go into work or manage the children in the morning. And then in the evening, it's about letting go of any sort of frustrations of the day or letting go of any energy of the day. So you can have a restful sleep rather than going straight to sleep and having a stress sleep and waking up in the morning with like jaw tension, you know? So the idea is also to create an, that habit of awareness. Mm. Really, that's what it's about. Yeah, it, it's a habit forming. It's a, there's, we've created a tick and flick sheet so that you can either print it out or just digitally do it. And it's that consistency of ticking off that you've done it for the day. I know it sounds very rote and very, but it is, that's, that's how we're designed in our brain. So that habit forming thing and ticking off, you know, little, little wins, micro wins. That's really what it's about. So it's 12, as Angie said, 12 minutes a day. The only thing that we ask is that if you miss a day, you start again and Ooh. go through. <laughs> there has to be a little bit of accountability in it. I love it. 
I love it. So if you all listening are interested in checking that out, you can find that free challenge at lucra.com slash breathing. It is there for you. You can learn more about Angie and Shane and everything that they have going on. Angie, Shane, thank you so much. This has been awesome. As I mentioned, I adore you both. I love what you're up to. And thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Thank Mindy. Thanks, it's been Mindy. amazing. Yeah. You've been awesome support for us too, Mindy. It's been oh, a really good pleasure to work with you. Ready to make your dream your reality? Let's build your business so you can do what you are here to do. I invite you to join my inner circle, the Lucra Collective, a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who got over the limiting belief that they needed to go it alone. Visit lucra.com to join today. That's L-U-C-R-A.com. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.